Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Triangulation is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Triangulation with Tom Merritt and Leo Laporte. Episode 13, recorded May 4th, 2011. Captain Crunch. Triangulation is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of Twit episodes and movies streamed to your PC or Mac or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. It's time for Triangulation. Leo Laporte here. Tom Merritt there. Hello. And our guest of the hour, as always, for those of you who are new to the show, this is a show where we, uh, Tom and I, get to interview some of the most interesting minds in technology. And we have had some great guests so far. And uh, I think we'll go back uh, to a little computer history on this particular episode. We'll be talking to Captain Crunch. Not not the uh, serial. Not the serial character, but named because of the serial character in in an indirect sort of way yeah he was a well known john draper john draper yeah. and a well known phone hacker who uh, discovered you were saying that the Captain Crunch whistle that was given away in every cereal box? Yeah, some. I guess, uh, well, and we'll let him tell the story, but he, uh, he got in touch with some phone freakers who told him that the whistle had the right hertz tone. Uh, and so he took that whistle and he was able to, to develop the blue box. In fact, that, that frequency was 2600. Yeah, which is why we get the name 2600 Hacker Quarterly. Based on that frequency. I feel nervous calling the Crunch Man on uh, Skype. Let's see uh, how it works. <laughs> I'm ready to get John Draper on the line. He has some limited time with us because uh, uh, he actually has a very bad back. Uh, I know he was hurt uh, during his time, I believe, during his time in prison. And, um, in fact, there was a fundraising uh, effort recently to uh, raise the money to uh, um, pay for his back surgery. And I believe he got the back surgery. So we'll find out in a second when we get John Draper, Captain Crunch. He still needs physical therapy, according to a blog post uh, well, he made and, March 6th. And, and the reason that we have to do a short amount of time, he's got a very busy day, uh, and he's got x-rays coming up in about 45 minutes. So we want to get him in as, uh, as best we can. We are going to get John Draper on with us in a moment, momentarily. Uh, we'll, we'll blue box into him. Yeah. I have the tones. <laughs> you know, we could just use Skype. Oh, all right. They don't use that system anymore. I know. You can't. It's all digital now. No more uh, analog signaling. This show brought to you, though, by our good friends at Netflix. I know uh, we talk about Netflix, and I would think that anybody who listens to this show is a Netflix subscriber. But if you're not yet, can I give you the, uh, the lowdown here? Join Netflix. Come on. What are you waiting for? 30 days free. Go to Netflix.com slash twit. T-W-I-T right now. Netflix.com slash twit. Now, I think a lot of you know of Netflix as the DVD by mail, folks. One, two, three, four, five DVDs at a time. When you've finished one, you pop it in the prepaid mailer and send it back. And within one business day, in most cases, you'll get another disc ready for you. What you do is you get a queue going here. And that's what it's so cool about. So I have five discs. You see, these are the five I have out. When I send one back, the... (laughs) It snakes still, on a plane. It still snakes is on a plane. Soon. Yeah, that's what I'll get next. If I can reorder, in fact, one of the great things that they do. Watch how easy it is to reorder. Whoop! Yeah, just click that. Goes right to the top. Whoop! In a way, Netflix I think first became popular because of the fun of the queue. Whoop! 
Oh, yeah. I used to spend a lot of time managing, managing my queue. Managing your queue. And not because I had to, not because it was no. hard, because I wanted to. The I, idea of the queue, yeah, is these are all the movies you want to see. And I have 234 movies in my DVD queue. But wait. Yeah, see, now this is what I use. I hardly even use the queue anymore. And who needs it? Because I the instant, go to instant. You can, I have an instant queue, but I think it's more like just jotting down movies I want to watch. Because the truth is, with Watch Instant, you watch instantly. You don't have to wait for the DVD to come. The quality is excellent. I mean, we're talking high-def quality. Oh, look at the old movies. Thief of Baghdad. Road wow. to Bali. I used road, to watch Road to Bali we're on Channel 11. On the road to Dorothy Bali. Lamore. They've got some great old movies, but also a lot of new movies and even TV shows. SpongeBob SquarePants. If you've got kids, Instant Play will save your life because you can play these movies back on your iPad, on your iPhone, on your Xbox 360, your PlayStation 3, your Nintendo Wii. Your Roku box, many DVD players. I mean, this is this is like heaven. I we should find a movie that has to do with John Draper. Well, I did. I found one. You did? Uh, <clears throat> Cowboy Bebop, the movie. <laughs> it's an anime movie based on an anime television show. Uh, available for streaming. Uh, references John Draper particularly. Not just a vague reference <laughs> to phone freaking. It says, Cap'n Crunch broke into the national phone system with a plastic whistle. It's true. <laughs> I don't know how you found that. That is very obscure. Look at all the genres. I always go to new arrivals every time. Oh, look, Salt's out. Toy Story 3. I watch Salt on Netflix. Stream. That's actually really good, good. way to watch it. It was much better than I thought. It was much better when I was just watching it on streaming instead of paying right. $30 You're, to go You know, see it's the free. Movie. You don't have to pay yeah. for it. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and that first month is free at Netflix.com slash twit. Ooh, they've got sexy movies. Look. Yes, they have Ooh, all, all genres. Emmanuel. Including... The um, classic, the original, nude wow. silhouette movies. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Emmanuel since I was. That t- is uh, genre is foreign steamy romance. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> ah, woo, yeah. If you want a r- romantic night shark in with a little versus little Crocosaurus, woman. yeah, you got your choice. Okay, which would she rather watch, Mega Shock versus Crocosaurus? Action, sci-fi, and fantasy, or foreign steamy romance? I'm going for foreign steamy romance, but that's the beauty of it. And you know what? You don't even feel guilty if the movie is crap. You stop it and you start another one. I love Netflix. $7.99 a month, all you can eat. But all, you don't have to pay that to try it. No, it's free. Go to Netflix.com slash twit. They're making more deals all the time. They just made a deal to get Madman on here. I mean, I just, I'm thrilled. And, uh, and the high def stuff, really good quality. Really good quality. And it starts streaming so fast now. It used to it used to be when they first introduced this, probably because of my connection more than anything. Is you know you you press play and you'd wait a beat or two. Oh, it's pretty now, quick now. Now it's immediate. Yeah. It's like you got the DVD in your. In I'm your a little queue. reluctant. They haven't said, "Oh yeah, go ahead, Leo, start playing a movie." <laughs> I don't want to get sued for doing the Netflix commercial. <laughs> oh sure, Leo, it's okay. We own it. It's fair use, right? So, you know, do it. Do, demo it yourself. Yeah. Do it for free. Do it for free. Go to netflix.com slash twit and enjoy. You can thank us later. Tom and I are both longtime Netflix lovers. Now, uh, twit be a good time. I think we were actually, we were having a little trouble getting John on. So let me, let me try here. See if he's around. John Draper, Captain Crunch. I don't know how many hertz that was. You think that'll work? So let's get uh, John on the line here. John, I don't know if you know, John had a uh, uh, internet uh, TV show for a while. 
I saw that when I was looking yeah. up uh, the Wikipedia article. It was like a news show. There he is, Captain Crunch, John Draper, who just got back. Hey, John, are you there? Oh, I see you, but I don't hear you. You're probably muted. Can you hear me now? I oh, certainly yes. can. Yeah, there he yeah. is. John, it's great to see you. Yes, it's been a while since Tech TV, hasn't it? It has. Uh, and we're all well, older. I'm getting my video played back to me. That's because that's what we're looking at. So what you'll see is what the uh, stream of the studio is. So I'm Leo Laporte. <laughs> no, I see you. Hi, Leo. Hi, that's Tom you? Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt. And, hey, uh, Tom. How you doing? And Good. you know who you are. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> I don't know. Do you? First of all, John, did you get the back surgery that you, you needed? Uh, last year, I got the back surgery, and this year I got a neck surgery. Wow. So and, you're feeling uh, a little bit better? Well, yeah, there's still parts of my body that's still broken and need fixing. Like my right knee's screwed up. I got to go to see uh, I got to cut this interview short. I got to leave here at exactly 430 or I'm not going to make it. So we have half an hour to find out everything there was to know. But don't forget it. You can always ask me back. I will absolutely ask you back. Actually, so I'll be back here. our original plan was to get you on with Steve Wozniak because I think in many ways you were a mentor to the young oh, yeah. Woz yeah, Jobs. Yeah, you should definitely try to get Steve on here for yeah. sure. When did you meet them? When I met Steve? Yeah. Uh, I met him at the Homebrew Computer Club back in 1975, maybe, 74. This 73. was pre-Apple uh, One. He was working on the Apple One uh, at the time that I met him. Uh, I was working on another processor. I was, I was thinking of getting a 6800. Oh, yeah. But I was more interested now in just seeing how he was developing the Apple One. And then when he came out with the Apple II, which actually had a reasonable input-output device, i.e. a video screen, I uh, certainly... Uh, uh, kind of picked that machine as the one to play with and hack on. You actually, uh, according to Wikipedia, built a modem for the Apple II. Yeah, well, I built a telephone interface board for it. Uh, the telephone interface board was to interface all aspects of the telephone with the Apple II. Uh, it's supposed, it's designed to detect ring. It's supposed to uh, answer a call when a call comes in. It's supposed to send tones and receive tones i.e. for touchstone control, both incoming and outgoing. Now, you, you had quite a bit of uh, familiarity with touchstone control because uh, you'd worked on the blue boxes. Uh, can you explain well, what, what those were? Nothing more than a touchstone device. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the tones are different. The tones are, uh, are uh, on a... Uh, just a sec. See over here. Are you looking it up? <laughs> no, no, no. I just moved my inset picture away. Oh, okay. So you can see us, huh? <laughs> yeah. The tones are basically the same. It's the same concept, same level of tones. The only difference is the tones were um, different frequencies. There were different combinations of different frequencies. It was 700, uh, 900, 1100, 1300, 1500, and 1700 hertz. They were odd numbers, and there's a reason for that, is that they don't interfere with each other. The touch tones themselves are also the same thing. Uh, the touch tones, the frequencies of the touch tones are designed in such a way as to not interfere with each other, so it's easier to, to detect them. 
How did you one. How did you learn all this, John? Well, I've always been into electronics, and it wasn't until I met Danny, the phone freak, that I was interested in telephones. I knew there, I knew there was a way to get into the telephone system and to make phone calls, pretty phone calls. Uh, my brother-in-law worked for the phone company. He told me that there was a way, but he wasn't going to tell me because he was afraid I was going to get in trouble. It was about three years back that I meant that when I came out of the Air Force, I noticed that the, we used the same switching equipment as they were in the Air Force. They were using 2600 signaling, multi-frequencies, and touch tones. Wow. And so that, that kind of inspired me to uh, just try to study the phone system. Then I learned that they had three-digit codes in the phone system where uh, these were able to access things like the inward operator, test board, information operator, and overseas root rate operator. And these were three-digit codes. Uh, 121 was the inward operator. 100 was a test uh, line. Uh, 101 was the test board. And uh, one, let's see, uh, one, two, one, and there's one, three, one, there's one, four, one is a root rate operator. I love it that you remember all of these. Well, these were three digit codes. Come on, they're easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, but it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, we've got to remember that I'm getting a lot of people talking to me about it too. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of fresh in my mind. Were there manuals on this stuff that you could, or did you have to all learn by trial and error? Uh, later on, we got the uh, Bell System Technical Journals, which had all the frequencies in it. And it wasn't until Waz got his hands on the Bell System Technical Journal that he, he was able to make a blue box. Well, now, I've heard, a, to, I've heard a rumor that those were found in, in dumpsters. Is that how you got a hold of them? No. Actually, what happened was Steve went to a Stanford library, and in there he found them. <laughs> They're in the library. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, why not? Man? Well, it was security through obscurity. They just didn't think anybody. Nobody would be will look at the library. Stuff, yeah, who yeah. needs who needs to know this? Well, yeah, exactly. And they didn't think anybody was going to be able to get access to move to the same system that was going to accept those tones. What was was it? The challenge of the phone system that it was. What was the challenge? Why was it so interesting to you to get into it? Well, at the time I was I, I was without work. I was looking for work. I had a number of companies that I had to call, and I knew that I was going to be on the phone for a long period of time, and that attracted me, very much so. You just wanted the free calls. Well, yeah. I mean, back then, you know, making a call for 15 minutes was like, you know, $15. Right. It was like expensive. Right. Later on, they reduced the rate down to 20 cents a minute for nationwide calls, but only after 11 o'clock. You still had to pay up to 75 cents a minute when you want to call during the day. So, And now we can just call you up a video phone yeah, on for free. Skype for free. <laughs> Using the internet. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Why not? We've come a long way. So did you, uh, in high school, were you kind of a, a, a little bit of a nerd? or? Uh, in high school, no. Actually, I, I went out for sports and uh, went out for swimming and uh, a few other sports. Uh in the freshman year, I went out for uh, junior varsity uh, basketball. That's cool. So, what, so was it the Air Force? Well, I wasn't that, really a nerd, you know. Yeah, and yet I've been told that uh, you're one of the best programmers of all time. Well, not really. I'm a terrible programmer. Nobody believes me. Uh, <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> because uh, I flunked programming when I took programming in college. It was Fortran, 
it was it was taking uh, uh, punch punch cards and feeding them into a hopper and waiting two hours before the results come back. And the results coming back is usually the fact that I missed the semicolon and, and a, a Fortran statement. Pain in the butt. Yeah. So it was pretty much a pain, and it wasn't until I actually got act interactive access to a computer when a friend of mine told me that he had a friend that had a computer in his garage. And it was Call Computer was the name of the company. And he was going to offer 99 cents an hour connect time for using the terminals in, 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 the, uh, in, in there. They had a, a, walk-in, a walk-in terminal. You walk right in, you pay your money, and you get on the account. And you can, you can even have your own account if you want to. So eventually I got my own account and started playing with it. I had a free account for a month. I started writing programs, and I found out, hey, this is very useful, because what I can do is I can also write programs to help me with my electronics. And it was then, it was then that I realized how important the computers were, because I needed to design very complex filters, which required a lot, of, uh, a lot of simulation tests. And I did all these simulations on a teletype. I would have the teletype print out a waveform of the... Uh, of the uh, system that I'm making give me a spectral analysis of where everything is, which was very useful. Then, I, then when I got good results on the computer, then I would build it, saving a lot of parts. So hardware hacking was really what you loved. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I used a computer to help me uh, compute the components of the uh, values of the resistors and capacitors. And then I would go out and get those values, and sure enough, they worked. Wow, this is, this is cool. It's a All great picture from your Facebook page of, of you, uh, Waz, and Kevin Mitnick, our old friend Kevin Mitnick. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, three hackers. I forget where that was taken. Do you consider yourself a hacker, John? Uh, not really, but sort of. I mean, you know, I'm always interested in how things work. I'm not that interested in... Uh, uh, you know, destroying data or, or just snooping into people's files or anything. I'm more interested in how it works. Do you, do you make a distinction between cracker and hacker, uh, like many people do, that hacker oh, yeah. is just there messing is a, with stuff? Definitely there's a distinction between cracker and hacker. Let me tell you about that picture. This is it. a great picture of you at a phone booth. That, yeah, that picture was taken in Seattle. Uh, the guy uh, beat Directly behind me in the white shirt uh, is, uh, God, what's his name? J- there's J.D. Pritchard and Bob Gudgel. Yeah, Bob Gudgel, that's right. Yeah, Bob Gudgel. And I'm still in contact with Gudgel, uh, although I'm not sure I know. I'm not sure I have J.D. Pritchard in my friend list on Facebook or not. Is this a blue box in his hand? Uh, yeah. So what did a blue that box, was, what did a blue box do? Pritchard's. Uh, uh, multi-freaker, multi-freaker, and that multi-freaker was modified from a touch-tone pad. He actually took a touch-tone pad and modified it into a blue box, but it had such an array of wires and relays and stuff like that that it was impractical to build. But he built it anyway. And you, and, you, and the reason you're at a payphone is because that's an anonymous place to use these things. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> and you could you could actually tell the in effect tell the operator you'd put in a, a, a dime. Well, we, in most cases, you never even had to talk to an operator. You dial a number direct. And you make the appropriate clicking sounds. 
Yeah, we, we would dial an 800 number and then we'd send 2600 or 32 plus 2600 down the line. And uh, if it dropped you off locally, then you had to add 3200 with 2600, the guard band, to keep uh, the first switch from switching off and allow the, allow the 2600 to go to the next trunk because by that time the 3200 would be attenuated down to the point where it would be ineffective. That's how we used, that's how we did tandem stacking. Wow. We pushed 3,200 into the line, and uh, and when the first trunk saw that 3,200, it, it would not it would not trip. The reason for that is if you had a high pitched voice, <laughs> it would the trunks. And AT and T had bad bad problems with that. Phone freaks would have a ball at the airport, <laughs> walk by blowing the 2,600 whistle, and everybody would look at their phones and. Huh? So. What kind of calls would you make? Or you know, I I I get the. Oh, I would make calls to test numbers, test boards. I would see. I would see how far I could route the call. You called the there, Pope, didn't you? Uh, that was when I met Waz for the first day. Yeah, the first day I met Waz, he insisted that I call the Pope. Did you get him? Uh, well, we got to the Vatican. We we got <laughs> talked to the person in the Vatican. We had to find an English speaker. That took a while. I love, uh, I love Waz's sense of humor. I have to say. And when we got the English speaker on the phone, I said, there's a Pope there. And he said, the Pope's asleep. I said, well, can you wake him up? <laughs> I want to talk to him. Right. But do you know why uh, Waz picked the Pope? Like, <laughs> you know, instead of the White House or I guess that, that uh, would be a bigger security risk than the Pope, maybe. Well, the White House had some very special numbers. They had one that I accidentally discovered. It was a CIA crisis hotline. I found it by scanning. I tried every number in in the Washington D.C. area. Four two four was the most interesting area. I did a trace back and found the four two four translated it into uh, a White House exchange. I said, "Oh, interesting. The four two four exchange must be the White House exchange." Okay, so we tried the four two four. Then eventually, what happened? Uh, we got this guy that was really obnoxious. <laughs> told us to hang up and never call again. <laughs> Why do you think he was so obnoxious? <laughs> I was going to try to find that out in a couple of days, a couple of weeks after things cooled down. You knew you found something when he got, when your guy gets yeah, irate. I marked that one with a big red X. <laughs> but this, but it didn't scare you off. I find that interesting. I mean, I think well, actually, what happened was I was I was in an area where if I made that call, I would be traced. So I talked, told my friend about it. And he says, well, "Let's call, let's call a president." I know exactly what to say. <laughs> we didn't know what the uh, we didn't know how what the keyword is to talk to the president. Uh, so what what we did was we had to listen in on the line first. It just so happens they were putting in this auto verify, which is an automatic verification system. So operators wouldn't have to call a verify operator to call, and they could do it themselves. That gave access to the. Uh, to the verify circuits through a standard Ronald trunk. And uh, we found that the code was uh, 042. So if you were happen to be in the, uh, in the Washington, D.C. exchange, and that would be easy to find because you just call any other number terminating in Washington, D.C., you blew that off, you landed in Washington, D.C. trunk. Then you'd say KP042, follow that with the, uh, the number 25200. One one or whatever the number was, and that would bring the White House number. 
So we would sit on the line, though, and we would wait because it's not a verify. When a, when a call came in, we bleeped it off and we could hear the conversation. Uh, and uh, the conversation was uh, and gave us an indication that it was a president because they said they asked for Olympus before the before the connection went scrambled. And so uh, that's what happened. So we finally uh, uh, we finally had the number. We knew this number went to the CIA crisis hotline. And that way, and, and did you ever get, uh, so that's how you got the crisis hotline <laughs> number. I think they're calling you right now, John. <laughs> yeah, I imagine they they've changed their system well, since then. <laughs> I think I hear the phone Although, ringing. I don't know. It's kind of weird. That was my cell phone. Hold on a minute. <laughs> uh, Mr. Draper, we've been looking for you for some time, and we're very pleased to have finally found you. He, uh, I'm reading, there's a great article in 1971 in the, uh, in Esquire magazine about, uh, about uh, John Draper. They don't actually give his real name. They call him Captain Crunch. And uh, apparently he, uh, he used to drive around the country in a Volkswagen van with an entire switchboard. And uh, Actually, that wasn't really a switchboard. What was it? Was, it? it was just a tie-line system that made it possible to connect two lines together, which was important when I was there. And so you'd look for a phone booth that would, because that's where... more than one phone line, more than one phone booth. Ah. The wires come down into a pair along the cable. And usually on the bottom, the wires are, are, are exposed. So we would clip down there on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And uh, in most of the phones that we did this from were those phones along the highway that said, call from car. The phones were placed so that you could drive right up to the phone and call right there from your car. Didn't even have to get out of your car. And we favored those phones over all the others. So you could sit in your car, clip in, drive through phone freaking. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's the way it worked. You and don't do this anymore, do you, John? No, why, why should I? There's Skype. I mean, come on. <laughs> There's no more phone booths, first of all. <laughs> no, yeah, you couldn't find... I don't... Right. Where have I last seen a uh, a phone booth? That's a good point. I yeah. have I, I I saw a few locally around here, but there there used to be one over by the uh, over by the Wiener Schnitzel near where I live. They took that out, so it's all going away. I think they'll leave. They'll just leave a few of them just for emergency. But uh, I think they're going to go go by way of the history and yet i think in some ways we could be in the golden age of phone freaking because there's there's so many different systems and so many different ways to hack around with them and yeah do you ever i mean are those days gone done for you i mean you, you probably me, yeah because the system is gone right i mean you go you could go to wideweb.com slash phone trips and in there there is a, a section called classic tandem stacking that's an audio file done by a doorbell of all of the bleeps and the, and the whistles and the chirps that you get when you make a phone call. It's all there. So you could actually hear blue box calls being made. Was it, yeah. Somebody said it was a blind, a blind kid that taught you about all this? The blind kid told me about the whistle, only about the whistle. And that's how you got the Captain Crunch moniker, is because it was a Captain Crunch. It was a whistle found in Captain Crunch cereal, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the the blind kids 
when I went over to talk to the blind kid, he told me there was like 20 different ways of making phone calls. I said, give me three. He did. <laughs> he told me about the root box. Yeah, that's it. That's the web page. Yep, there's that picture. Root box. And yeah. then he told me uh, about the frequencies. So I went home and I rushed home and immediately started building it. I had one working in about three hours. Just from the parts that I could collect at home. I didn't have all the right resistors, so I had to connect two resistors in parallel and calculate what the value is to get the right values. Do you remember that, so that first time you used it, the first phone call you made? It was amazing. Like, it worked. It just worked. <laughs> and it was like 2 in the morning. I was screaming up and down and yelling, it worked, it worked. <laughs> My parents thought I was stark raving mad. Who'd you call? <laughs> Well, the first I called, I, I called the only person that I knew to call was the switchboard at Charleston Air Force Station, which I knew would be there. Mm -hmm. uh, I told him that, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of somebody. Do you know if he's on shift duty tonight? And uh, he said, no. I said, okay, thank you. And that was the first call. Then I waited until in the morning, around 7 or 8 in the morning, because then I could call Allied, Allied Radio in Chicago because they were supposed to send me a power inverter that I, uh, that I dropped off at Allied Radio on the way back from leaving the Air Force. And uh, they never sent it to me. And so it was like three months after being out of the Air Force. I said, wow, I really need that power inverter. So I called them up and I complained. And they sent me the power inverter two or three days later. <laughs> they didn't lost, have an 800 lost, number. You're <laughs> they lost it. Huh. Uh, you know, so that's pretty much it. And I, and lately, as of late, I've been developing software. Last couple of years, I've been developing software for N to go, uh, E N the number two go. Or I'll type it out on the Skype. This is an ad uh, from the phone companies. Somebody in the chat room sent us this link. They'll never catch you. Some people say it's easy to rip off the phone company, use a phony credit card or someone else's number, make all yeah. the long-distance calls you want free. They'll never catch you. Don't you believe it? Yeah, that was a crazy, stupid ad. Well, they used the word <laughs> blue box in there, even. Yeah, this is from Rochester, Rochester Telephone. That is Rochester Telephone yeah. Company. Well, anyway, I wrote down the, the name of the company on Skype there. Okay. Uh, I was basically designing a... Media management system. What do you did now? You you when you uh, wrote Easy Writer was in fourth. Yeah. You still writing? Still coding fourth? Oh, he's got a phone call. I can't talk right now. Hello. It is it is funny to have this I many phone talk calls when talking about you? phone freaking. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'll turn down the sound. I, I, I don't. I don't want to eavesdrop on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On John's phone call. <laughs> Okay. There we go. Um, so what was that? Fourth. Uh, what do you program in today? Uh, I developed. I used. I developed in three different languages, actually. Uh, one is C plus plus for multi-platform use. Ick. Uh, really? Multi-platform IDE is mostly. I use. Uh, I use uh, uh, Qt. Uh, Qt. Right. Which mm, is for the originally GUI. developed by. Uh, by Nokia, I think. Trolltech, sure. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, that's a multi-platform uh, environment, Purdue multi-platform. Right. For Macintosh stuff, I use Cocoa and mm -hmm. uh, Objective-C and 
Xcode and oh, you all do that. It all. Our iPhone stuff is the same. Xcode, QT. Not QT, I mean just Xcode and I yeah. love Forth though. I have to say I learned uh for server related work I use uh Django and Python. Hmm. Wow. Uh it's not a snake, it's a language. Yeah, we yeah, know yeah. Python and we know Django. Yeah, so uh, I'm it's a, a great Django. framework. Because most of the work I use in Django, because Django's got a lot of stuff I get for free. Right. Almost everything that I do in web page design work is going to require a login page. Uh, so to do a login page, Django has got all that stuff built in. It's, it's very, very well. Uh, it's hardened. It's very secure. No one's been able to crack into any Django-developed website that I know of, and no one knows it. Uh, there's no SQL injection because there's no SQL. Leah Culver's a big Django uh, fan. She she wrote Pounce in Django and and uh, so that's a server. That's a server stuff. And for server client communication, I use JSON. JSON. You're very modern, John. I mean, this is all the latest technologies. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I keep up with the times. Come on, I'm not that old. <laughs> Did you expect him to be using Cobol? <laughs> I, I thought he'd be Fortran. using Forth. I'd be honest with you. I thought. All my teeth falling out of my mouth. I think I, I thought you know once once an RPN guy always an RPN guy. No, I mean I mean I I, I haven't really been keeping track of Forth very much. It's kind of gone. I'm sorry to say. You know, I interviewed Charles Moore at uh, Tech TV. Uh, but I have one of my star programmers uh, who has always been very loyal, uh, working with me in a lot of things. I mean, we've been working now for almost 18, 20 years. He's wow. he's a fourth fanatic, and he still goes to fig meetings. That's great. The fourth interest group. So it's still around. I mean, it's That's not awesome. it hasn't disappeared at all, but it's still there. I download fourth for every machine. I never. I mean, what are you going to do with it? But and currently, right now, I'm retired. I'm writing my book. I hear that. Now, tell us about your book. Is this going to be your story, your life story? Yeah, give you a life story, my own, my own auto, uh, my own autobiography. So you got. Busted. Was it the Esquire article that got you in trouble? How did you yeah, get caught? Yeah, that was definitely, that's definitely that. I, when I saw that article, I was, when that article came out, I went up, I went by, Denny called me just before I went to school. I was going to college at the time. This is 1971. I store right next to the college. I looked at, I looked, picked up the magazine. I took it back to my car and I was supposed to go to a chemistry class, lab class that afternoon. Well, I was in my car reading that entire article, and I missed the chem class because I was just absolutely riveted to that article. They didn't mention when you I, by name. When I got done reading that article, I said to myself, Bone Freak is now, as the way it is, has now ended. Interesting. No longer is Bone Freak ever going to be the same at this point on, this point on. Almost immediately, people from... The conference, the two one 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 conference, which is a private conference that we got in there, where people are starting to get um, served subpoenas, testified before grand jury. Um, subpoenas were served in eighteen cities. Subpoenas served by people that they didn't, that they knew did something, but they said that we're not going to bust you, but you have to testify before the grand jury. And almost everybody that testified was, you know, they're going to point to me because I was the big guy. I mean, because I, I had built the blue box and I was mm -hmm. the only one in that conference who knew how to build one. And uh, I was giving away tones. People would come to me and they'd say, hey, uh, hammer out this number for me. And I'd play it over the phone and they would record it. And they'd have the recording of that number that they could use to make calls. <laughs> 
So they were they were recording your blue box now, output. Only one uh, there that had an automatic blue box that could do that. Uh, so I became. That's how I got the name. You were the repository. I mean, they asked me. They said, uh, "Well, they said, what uh, name do you want to pick?" Everybody was using handles. So I says, there was Bob in Santa Monica, and there was all these names. So I says, just call me Captain Crunch. No one used that name yet. And he says, oh, great, good name for you. <laughs> so I used that name, and it just sort of stuck on the conferences. The Esquire magazine picked that up at that point. Once the Esquire article made Captain Crunch a household name, but yeah. not as a serial, but as a phone freak hacker, uh, pretty much ended my phone freaking career at that point. I got rid of all my hardware. You know, I had one in my car, and that was how I got busted, by the way. Because you were carrying it, and they found it? I had it in my car, and they found it. Now, you went from there uh, uh, into custody, but you, you started writing software. They, they released me in OR. I didn't write software until 76. And then I wrote Easy Writer in jail while I was going to the work furlough program. Did you have a computer to write it? No, I had to go to a place where I had a computer. I would go to that place. They would watch me. They'd follow me there. I'd go in. I wouldn't come out until 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, I'd come out, ride my bike, ride back to the Alameda County Work Furlough place where I would lock my bike up by the back door. I'd come in. I'd sign in. I'd check in. I'd get back into my skivvies and, and wait till the next day. And, I, of course, I'd have the hardcore, I'd have the hardcore listing with me. Hey, look, I've two more minutes to go, and I have to leave, guys. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. we just getting started. We're going to have to have you come back very soon, John. I, will, I promise you I will come back, so schedule me anytime. This, is, this has been a very heavy week for me. I've got x-rays on my knee. I've got to go get those done before I see the doctor on Friday because uh, then I'll know whether or not I have to go to get those cortisone injections I needed for my back and for my knee. So I have to do, I have to do that. I have to leave pretty soon. All right. John, the website, web uh, Now is the time to ask them. Well, I think we're going to let you go, and we'll just save it, because we just be, be just started with programming, and I'd heard such stories about how prolific, how many pages a day you would write, sometimes longhand with... Man, it was just amazing. I was the most productive programmer ever when I was in, in jail. <laughs> I, would write, I would write the code in jail, and I'd go back to work and type it in. We'll have part two of our story. Yeah, but I, would, I would then take the hard, hardcore listings of the code, take it back with me to jail and examine it and find debug it looking at the code. Yeah, when you say write code, you mean longhand writing. Yeah, exactly. With Pencil pen and paper. paper. He's writing easy writer with paper. Yeah. yeah. And in fourth, I might yeah. add. And that's really hard when you're writing in fourth because you have to write a stack trace for every word you use. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. The website is webcrunchers.com. You can find out more about John Draper, what he's up to today. And also savingcaptaincrunch.com. Please put that in there, savingcaptaincrunch.com. So you're still raising money for your medical bills and so forth. Please donate to the Saving Captain Crunch. Uh, I have to update it. I haven't had time. I'm going to do that in the next couple weeks, probably. I'm just glad you were able to get that next uh, surgery that you, that you really needed. Help me out. I still have a lot of medical expenses, and uh, I, have to, I have to take care of those. So, look, nice talking to you. I'll be back in touch, okay? John, we'll talk again real soon. Okay. Webcrunchers.com. Thank you, John Draper. Bye-bye. Captain Crunch. Or is it Captain? I think it's Captain. <laughs> if you're good, if you're naming it's a serial, it's Captain. It's Captain, yeah. Um, and uh, you could follow him on Twitter, and he has a Facebook page with lots of the pictures that I was just showing. Most of those came from the Facebook page. 
a fa- you know a fascinating guy who is a, a kind of a hugely important in our history um in the history of technology and of course because not not the least because of his influence on steve wozniak and steve jobs yeah i mean we just barely scratched the surface of of the things that he did both at apple and uh in writing easy writer uh we just got uh, most started people just start you know they just think about the the phone freaking part yeah. which is which is incredibly interesting and, yeah. and and sort of set the tone for relations with hackers for a decade yeah i think phone freaker is actually really what he was but yeah he said in the um, in the Esquire article that really what he loved was understanding systems, and, and that's a hacker mentality. Yes, right there. Yeah. absolutely. That was the Bell Labs system that he fa- was fascinated by. He says it was to make free calls, but you know, I think he fell in love with it and wanted well, to understand it, it. It's both, right? I mean, the, the 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 initial jazz is making a free call, but if that's all it was, that would kind of wear it's off over after it. a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephen Levy talks a lot about him in his book Hackers. In fact. Before the next episode, because we will have part two of this interview, I will uh, bring my copy of uh, Hackers in and we'll read a little, some, a little bit about uh, John Draper in the earliest days, uh, the dim, dark days of computing history, 1970. <laughs> when Unix was young. Yeah, when I was born. This show, <laughs> Really? 1970, yeah. Jeez. When, uh, when we do this show, uh, I hope you will tune in live, but uh, you don't have to. We do it at 4 p.m. Usually. We're a little early today, but 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time at live.twit.tv on Wednesdays. And, uh, boy, you know, when you miss it, you miss a lot because there's such interesting people. Uh, but we do make it available for download. We've got 13 episodes under our belt now, so you can find all of those at twit.tv slash T-R-I. And um, I, I can't wait. I, this is actually a great cliffhanger. Part two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Of the Captain Crunch saga this was just capping Captain, wait the crunch is to come the crunch i want to thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time on triangulation